Welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 129, where we will continue where we left off uh, yesterday. Uh, We completed chapter 27 yesterday, so let's pick it up in chapter 28. And the title to the section says, Woe to Samaria, Samaria being the capital of the northern kingdom, which is Israel. And in verse 1, it says, Woe to the majestic crown of Ephraim's drunkards. Woe to the drunkards of Israel and to the fading flower of its beautiful splendor. See, the fading flower uh, of his beautiful splendor. Uh, at one time, uh, Israel was the splendor of the Lord. Beautiful splendor, uh, ravishing uh, beauty. But now it's a fading flower. Uh, it says, woe to those overcome with wine. We drop down to uh, verse 7, and it says, even these stagger because of wine. Even these people stagger and stumble under the influence of beer. Even these folks, who folks, what folks? Priest and prophet alike. Priest and prophet stagger because of beer. They are confused, be, uh, they are confused by wine. They stumble because of beer. They are muddled in their visions. They stumble in their judgments. Verse eight, indeed, all their tables are covered with vomit. There is no place without a stench. And so this is Isaiah prophesying you know, to the northern kingdom. And so he's telling them a harsh word, right? He's the oracle of God telling them the truth, telling them the way it is. They don't like it. So how do they respond? We're going to hop over to the message version uh, because I think it makes it clear how they respond to Isaiah. And so in the message in verse 9 and 10 and 11, this is how they respond to Isaiah. They say, is that so? And who do you think you are to teach us? See, they're, they're indignant. Is that so? Who do you think you are to teach us? Who are you to lord it over us? Who, who, who made you the boss of me? <laughs> you know, that's essentially what they're saying. We're not babies in diapers to be talked down to by, by such as you. It says, da, 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 blah, 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 blah. That's a good little girl. That's a good little boy. So they're mocking Isaiah as he's you know, saying, this is how you're talking to us. But hey, who are you? You're not my dad. You're not my mom. Isaiah says, but that's exactly how you will be addressed. That's exactly how you will be addressed. God will speak to this people. God will speak to this people in baby talk, one syllable at a time, and he'll do it through foreign oppressors. Wow. See? And so he's not only saying, yes, that is how I'm talking to you. And that's how I'm going to keep talking to you because you're behaving like little kindergartners. But it's not just going to be me because there's going to be a foreign people that is going to come in here. These will be the Assyrians. And they're going to essentially wipe you out, take over your territory. And that's how they're going to speak to you. That's a that's a harsh word. And so let's go down uh, to verse 14. It says, a deal with death. And it says in verse 14, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. So now he's talking, he's prophesying to Judah. See, Isaiah was mainly a prophet to Judah, but there were times where he did prophesy to the northern kingdom, to Israel. But this is a word uh, to Judah. Verse 15, for you said we have made a covenant with death and we have an agreement with Sheol. When the overwhelming catastrophe passes through, it will not touch us. 
because we have made falsehood our refuge and have uh, hidden behind treachery. And so the people of Judah are saying, look, we've made some deals. We made a deal with Egypt. We made a deal with some other foreign powers. And so therefore the Assyrians aren't going to touch us. You know, we're going to be fine and, 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 and everything is going to be cool. It's going to pass through and not touch us <laughs> because we have made falsehood our refuge. So in a way they're kind of, they kind of know that they're just talking to themselves and, and not really valid, but, and it says, and have hidden behind treachery. So we've hidden, hidden behind the treacherous so that we're not going to be touched. Verse 16, it says, therefore the Lord God said, look, I have laid a stone in Zion and tested a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will be unshaken. And so, I mean, when we're talking about the wicked and the evil, you know, in these kingdoms or whatnot, that does not mean everybody was that way. There, there were, you know, remnants in these populations that didn't subscribe to that. And so it says, essentially saying those people are going to be unshaken. In verse 17, and I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the mason's level. Hail will sweep away the false refuge and water will flood your hiding place. And so Isaiah is prophesying that the Lord says, look, you think that because you've made these deals, you're going to be safe, but it's not true. Because a flood is going to come and sweep you away, basically. It says in verse 18, your covenant with death will be dissolved and your agreement with Sheol will not last. When the overwhelming catastrophe passes through, you will be trampled. So you, you, you think you're secure and safe in these, in these uh, alliances that you've made. But no, 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 no. It's not going to protect you. Verse 19, it says, every time it passes through, it will carry you away. It will pass through every morning, every day, and every night. See, And so, in other words, it's not going to be a one-time thing. These waves are going to keep coming, <laughs> you, and they're going to sweep you away a little at a time. They're going to keep sweeping. They're going to keep coming and keep coming. And the next uh, sentence I find to be very, very insightful, uh, and, and one that is just true beyond truth. It says, only terror will cause you to understand the message. So the Lord is telling the people of Judah, look, you won't listen to me any other way. Only terror will cause you to hear and understand what I'm saying to you. And how true is that today? I mean, in order for the Lord to get our attention, he has to bring about tragedy and calamity. Then people will start to turn and to listen. And we see this in, in, in the Old Testament in, in cycles. I mean, it happens all the time. A, a tragedy or calamity seems to have to precede the people actually listening and then turning from their wicked ways, turning from their evilness. See, it has to be preceded by something that gets their attention. <clears throat> and that seems to be the history of mankind. I wish it wasn't. Because when the Lord gets our attention, that means that there are going to be casualties. Because his wrath is not pleasant. Then it says in God's wonderful advice, verse 13, listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. Does the plowman plow every day to plant seed? Does he continuously break up and cultivate the soil? Verse 28. Bread grain is crushed, but it is not threshed endlessly. Though the wheel of the farmer's cart rumbles, the horses do not crush it. In other words, it's saying that, look, you don't do this, this thing 
you know, this hard thing to something else uh, forever. You're not caught in a repetitive, um, uh, continuous activity. In other words, God doesn't continuously all the time discipline us. And that's all he does. Just discipline, discipline, discipline. This stuff is done for a reason. This stuff is done to prepare us for the planting, which must foresee the harvest. And so we, we have to do things to the seed. He has to do things to us to get our attention, to prepare us so that we can be planted. And then he can water us so that we start to grow. And then we harvest. But we're not in this tough time all the time, continuously, never to get out. See, and that's what a lot of people think about the Lord, because they, they find themselves uh, doing things that precipitates his judgment on what they're doing, and then they think they're always being punished and whatnot, but that's not the case. It says, this also comes from the Lord of Armies. He gives wondrous advice. He gives great wisdom. He gives great wisdom to those who listen and then to those who will do something about it. Verse 29, it says, woe to Jerusalem. Let's drop down here to verse 5. It says, your many foes will be like fine dust and many of the ruthless like blowing chaff. In other words, you will have so many enemies and so many ruthless enemies, you will not be able to count them. <laughs> They're going to be all over the place. They're just going to be everywhere. And it says, then suddenly in an instant, you, would, you will be punished by the Lord of armies under thunder, earthquake, and loud noise, storm, tempest, and a flame um, of consuming fire. He says, I'm going to send your foes and your numerous enemies against you because you would not listen. Time and time and time again, I gave you opportunity and you would not listen. You chose your way. It says in verse 9, stop and be astonished. Blind yourself and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with beer. Now, what does this mean? It means that you will not listen to me. So stop putting up the pretenses. Stop your festivals that are supposed to honor me. If you want to be blind, be blind. You know, stop all this other nonsense. Because it says that in, in, in your blindness, you are drunk, but not with any alcohol, not with any wine. You stagger, you know, you stumble, you feel your way around and whatnot. Not because you're drunk, not because of beer, not because of any of that, but because you won't listen. But because you won't obey, because you won't be obedient, this is what you're doing. It may appear like you're inebriated, but you're not. Your problem is, your drunkenness is, you're drunk on the ways of the world. You're drunk on all kind of ideas and wisdom that don't come from me. And so, therefore, you pay the consequences. Verse 10, for the Lord has poured out on you an overwhelming urge to sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads. The seers. In other words, God has shut himself up with regard to being heard from by the prophets. So they can't prophesy because they can't hear what God is saying. The seers and the watchmen who are watching out for things, who are overlooking and seeing what's happening out there to warn the people, to guide them and whatnot. Uh, the word is saying God has covered their heads so that they cannot see. So they don't know what's going on. So they're bumping and stumbling and doing all this. All this is coming from the Lord because of their disobedience. Verse 13, the Lord said, these people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service. You ever hear anybody pray 
and go on with just an eloquent collection of words and prose and and just how it sounds beautiful and wonderful and whatnot and and, and intimidates people from praying publicly because they don't feel like they can pray like this other person can pray. In a lot of those instances, the Lord calls that lip service. Says these people approach me with their speeches to honor me um, with lip service. Yet their hearts are far from me. And human rules direct their worship of me. And so they're doing things out of tradition. They're doing things and saying things that are expected of them because that's what humans want to hear. That's what humans expect to hear. They're adhering to some set of human rules. And the Lord is saying, their hearts are far from me. That's not me. That's them. That's not me. Man, I could go off on this. Anyway, verse 14. Therefore, I will again confound these people with wonder after wonder. The wisdom of their wise will vanish, and the perception of their perceptive will be hidden. See, so to those that we look for, that we look towards for wisdom, it says that their wisdom will vanish. And the perception of those who, who, who perceive things and, and who can feel things and, 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 and whatnot and give some direction, it says that will be hidden. Why? Because their hearts are far from me, says the Lord. And it says in verse 15, it says, Woe to those who go to great lengths to hide their plans from the Lord. They do their works in the dark. They say, who sees us? Who knows us? See, so the Lord is saying, look, in your secret place, when you're making these plans and whatnot, trying to carve out some, maybe some selfish things and greed for yourself, this, that, and other, and you say to yourself, nobody can see me. Nobody knows what I'm doing. The Lord says uh, to those who go to great lengths to hide their plans, you're not hiding anything. He knows. Nobody else may know, but he knows. And it says in verse 16, it says, you have turned things around. As if the potter were the same as the clay. You know, the potter is the one who makes things out of clay. He says, you've turned things around as, as if the potter was the same as the clay. As if the made thing was the same or superior to the creator of the thing. And then it says, how can what is made say about its maker? He didn't make me. How can what, uh, how can what is formed say about the one who formed it? He doesn't understand what he's doing. You know, how can the creator thing, the created thing, be greater than the creator of the thing? Right? How, if, you, if you work in the auto industry and you, you make cars, how can you say that, that this car, okay, knows more than me? That I don't know what I'm doing. The car says to me, you don't know what you're doing. I say, wait a minute, I made you. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. You know, how can the couch say to the furniture maker, you don't know what you're doing? And so the Lord is saying, how can you say to me, I don't know what I'm doing? So you think you're doing things in secret and I don't know, but I know. But it's your arrogance that thinks that I don't know because you think you're smarter than me. You think you're wiser than me. <clears throat> but then we drop down to verse 18 and um, this is talking about Isaiah is, is prophesying in the future under Christ's rule. See in verse 18 it says, on that day, the death will hear the words of a document and out of a deep darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Verse 19, the humble will have joy after joy in the Lord, and the poor people will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless one will vanish, the scorner will disappear, and all those who lie in wait with the evil intent will be killed. 
See, under, under, under Christ, everything is going to be righteous. Everything is going to be just. And so a lot of the stuff we see before the coming of Christ, all the evilness and wickedness, all of that is going to vanish and disappear. Verse 22, therefore, the Lord who redeemed Abraham says uh, this about the house of Jacob. And so the Lord who redeemed Abraham says this about the house of Israel. Uh, Israel will no longer be ashamed and his face will no longer be pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands within this nation, within his nation, they will honor my name. They will honor the one, the Holy One of Jacob and stand in awe of the God of Israel. Verse 24, those who are confused will gain understanding and those who grumble will accept instruction. All of those who at one time, maybe who were against me, didn't understand me, didn't want to understand me, all that's going to be changed. Those who are confused will gain understanding and those who grumble will accept instruction. They will humble themselves. In chapter 30, um, the section title says, uh, Condemnation of the Egyptian Alliance. Verse 1, Woe to the rebellious children. This is the Lord's dec declaration. They carry out a plan, but not mine. They make an alliance, but against my will, piling sin on top of sin. Without asking my advice, they set out to go to uh, Egypt in order to shelter under Pharaoh's protection and take refuge in Egypt's shadow. But Pharaoh's protection will become your shame, and refuge in Egypt's shadow will uh, your humiliation. For though his princes are as Zohan, and his messengers reach as far as Hanes, everyone will be ashamed because of a people who can't help. They are of no benefit, they are of no help. They are, no, they are good for nothing but shame and disgrace. In verse 7 it says, Egypt's help is completely worthless. Therefore, I call her Rahab who just sits. In other words, a hippotamus who does nothing and just lays there. And so the Lord is saying, look, this is what you're doing. You're seeking all this help, but they can't help. You think they can help, but they can't help. Why won't you turn to me? <laughs> you're looking for help everywhere else. You think you're going to be safe in Egypt's shadow? No, it's not going to happen. <clears throat> Verse 10, it says, they say to the seers, do not see. They being the people say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy the truth to us. Tell us flattering things. Prophesy illusions. The people don't want to hear the truth. <laughs> they just want to hear good things. They want to hear things that tickle their ears. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the harshness of the truth. They want to be misled purposely by their own choice. If this does not sound familiar, then you haven't lived very long. You know, people don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear things that make them feel good. And it's being prophesied against them. <laughs> this is what you're saying, but that's foolish. Verse 11, the people say, get out of the way, leave the pathway, rid us of the Holy One of Israel. Don't remind us of God. Get him out of here. We don't want to hear about God. We want to do our thing. We want to do what we think is right. Verse 12, therefore, the Holy One of Israel says, because you have rejected this message and have trusted in oppression and deceit and have depended on them, this inequity of yours will be like a crumbling gap, a bulge in a high wall whose collapse will come in an instant, suddenly. So he's saying that because you don't want to hear the truth, because you, you know, you're telling yourself lies, you're living in a fantasy world, you're trying to escape and, this, and, other, and, 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 and just ignore what I say. It says, this inequity of yours will be like a crumbling gap. It'll just fall on you instantaneously, suddenly. <laughs> the Lord's mercy. 
in verse 18, it says, Therefore the Lord is waiting to show you mercy and is rising up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a just God. All who wait patiently for him are happy. That is the key. There are many things that happen to us, and a lot of things are not our fault. A lot of things we, not, didn't, we did not precipitate by some sin or whatever. It's just things that happen to us. And we want to see certain justices or we want to see some other results. And so we can get into a phase of questioning God and questioning his existence and questioning everything. And most of the time, the answer is simply this, wait patiently. Verse 19, for people will live on Zion in Jerusalem. You will never weep again. He will show you favor. He will show favor to you at the sound of your outcry. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. See, and so this is talking about in a future day, what will happen. It says the Lord will give you a meager, will give you meager bread and water during oppression, but your teacher will not hide any longer. Your eyes will see your teacher, and whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear his command or this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. There's a, a place in, in, in the New Testament we'll get to uh, when Jesus tells his disciples, from now on, I will not speak to you in riddles. I will talk to you in plain language. You will understand everything that I'm saying. This is essentially saying a similar thing. It's that, look, you will understand. I will not hide from you any longer. I will not be mysterious to you any longer. Your eyes will see your teacher. And whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear. You will not have to wonder, is that God? Is that you, God? No, no, no. you will know. And I will tell you this way. Walk that way. Walk this way. I will tell you, you will hear me and you will uh, you will know the direction to go. In verse 22, it says, then you will defile your silver plated idols and your gold plated images. See, you will get rid of your idols. You will throw them away uh, like minstrel cloths and call them filth. Verse 23, then he will send rain for your seed that you have sown in the ground and the food, the produce of the ground will be rich and plentiful. On that day, your cattle will graze in open pastures. Verse 26, the moonlight will be as bright as the sunlight and the sunlight will be seven times brighter. In other words, this will be a glorious existence. It will be wonderful. Like the light of seven days on the day that the Lord bandages his people's injuries and heals the wounds he inflicted. And so, uh, you know, he, he, he puts us through it's, it's to me, it's like a spanking, right? Your child does something wrong, uh, they get spanked, but then after the discipline is over, you heal that child, you reassure that child and whatnot, but you did it out of love. You didn't do it out of anger or spite or anything like that because you want what's best for them. And it says, um, uh, verse 27, the section title says, Annihilation of the Assyrians. Look, the name of the Lord is coming from far away, his anger burning and heavy with smoke. His lips are full of fury and his tongue is like a consuming fire. And so the Assyrians are the kingdom that swept over that region and mass mayhem and destruction and killing and whatnot. They were carrying out the Lord's orders, but they went beyond, above and beyond in their zealousness. And in verse 28, it says, his breath is like an overflowing tor uh, torrent that rises to the neck. He comes to sift the nations in a sieve of destruction uh, and to put a bridle on the jaws of the peoples to lead them astray. In verse 31, it says, Assyria will be shattered by the voice of the Lord. He will strike with a rod. And so 
Assyria is going to get what's coming to them. Even though they were uh, serving at the behest of the Lord, you know, they were doing so out of pride and arrogance and, um, and went beyond what he had intended for them to do. They were going to get theirs. And with that, uh, we will stop for the day for the day. We will stop for the day and we will pick it up in verse or excuse me, chapter what 31 tomorrow. Everybody have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye bye now.